Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're going to have some fun today talking to somebody who does a lot of different things. And a lot of entrepreneurs do that. They have you know lots of side projects. They have their full-time job. Uh, they have other things they want to do. They've got a podcast. And today's guest really has lots of things going on. But before we get started, I've started every recent show with one of my 20 tips for solopreneurs, because I've been doing this now almost six years just working for myself full time. And people ask me all the time, what have you learned? So I put together my top 20 tips and I'm every day sharing one of those tips. And today we're up to tip number 15. And today's tip is make sure that your spouse or your significant other and your kids are on board because it's a big commitment if you're going to go work for yourself and your family has to be ready and strapped in, seatbelt on for that journey. I'm really fortunate. My wife and kids are really supportive of this whole idea. And there's some some sacrifices that go with starting your own business. The first few years, we sort of hemorrhaged cash, so it was sort of, uh, you know, tighten that belt a little bit. And then even so, once the business gets going, you have to make some choices. Are you going to spend money to go to a conference where you're going to be able to promote your business and make some contacts instead of taking that family trip to Europe or whatever it is? So everybody has to be on board because really, if you're a solopreneur and you're in a relationship and maybe you have children, You're not really solo. Even if they don't work in the business, the people closest to you in your life are really connected to that. And I bet today's guest can relate to that because he's married, he's a father, and he's got a lot of things going on. So today's guest is Brendan Hufford. And Brendan is an assistant principal at a high school. So God love him because he works with high school kids all day long. And he also owns a couple little businesses, including OK Kimonos, which he sells Brazilian jiu-jitsu wear and other materials that go with people who are in the martial arts area. And I met him because he is the host of a new podcast called Entrepreneurs and Coffee. And the reason that I noticed it is the logo for Entrepreneurs and Coffee is a big green circle. Now think about that. What does that remind you of? It reminds me, no, not of Starbucks. What are you talking about? It reminds me of cool things entrepreneurs do. So I had to have him on the show. So Brendan, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really pumped. So Brendan, tell us a little bit about, you know, your life and your businesses. Okay. So I, like you said, I started teaching and then I wasn't super happy. So I got a little bit more into my passion of jujitsu and started a couple of jujitsu websites. Then I found Pat Flynn and Gary Vaynerchuk and I started building my websites out and engaging. And out of nowhere, a company was like, hey, if we send you this free stuff, will you write about it on your website? And I'm like, okay, that's a thing. <laughs> so I I did that. And then I was like, all right, I should make a whole website about this. And I started a website called Gee Reviews, where I would review all the different companies' gis that you know are made for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And they started sending, me, sending them to me. And I'm like, all right, these are cool. But it got to a certain point where I was just inundated with them. And I was giving them away and selling them for charity. We've raised a couple thousand dollars for charity selling them. And I was like, you know, I have all these opinions. I'm very creative. I want to do my own thing. So I started my own company, which is, as you mentioned, OK Kimonos. And that's been going strong for a couple years. I work on that super early in the mornings, sometimes nights and weekends too. Uh, I get up at 3 a.m. every day because I'm a crazy person. I'm just pumped to work. Wait, 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 wait. You get up at what time? (laughs) 
So, well, so here's the thing. Like, I tell people I get up at 3 a.m. and it sounds crazy, but I also probably go to bed earlier. Like, I go to bed like I'm a six-year-old. Actually, I go to bed like I'm a one-and-a-half-year-old. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old son, and when he goes to bed, I go to bed. Does your wife give you, like, warm milk and pat you on the head and tuck you in at 8 o'clock or what? (laughs) She reads me stories. Reads you a little story? Yep. And then, uh, so I go to bed earlier than probably most people do. And then I get up in those super early hours and just get a ton of work done because there's so few distractions. And I've been doing really, really well with OK Kimonos for a long time. But I think there's a lot of dads out there. uh, And I'm sure, Tom, you'd agree, like they want to do their own thing. They want to be a sidepreneur or a solopreneur and they want to start something. But the constraints of having kids in a family are very different than a lot of other situations that entrepreneurs are in. And if you're a dad who doesn't want to sacrifice his relationship with his wife or with his kids uh, and you still want to be an entrepreneur, well, that really changes the conversation. So I wanted to start sharing some of the stuff that I learned building this business completely on the side, didn't have to quit my job, still have an awesome relationship with my wife and kid. And, you know, I want to share that. And that's why I started the podcast. Well, you know, backing up to, you know, getting up early and doing that, people always ask me, you know, how did I ever write my first book? And the truth of the matter was, is that my youngest daughter, you know, when she was little, didn't ever really sleep through the night until she was like two and a half years old. I mean, it was a long time before she really would sleep through. And she would wake up in the four o'clock hour at some point almost every day and would need, you know, a little bit of attention. I'd get her back to sleep and then it was 430 or whatever it was. And I was awake. I'm a morning person. And so once I'm up, I'm up. I don't want to be up at 4.30, but once I'm up, pretty much that's it. I'm awake. And so I would actually write from like 5 o'clock to 6 or 6.30 when the rest of the family would get up. And that's how I wrote my first book. So as much as I say, oh, she never slept, I probably would never have written the book and never become a speaker and never have this podcast had she been one who slept through the night. So, you know, I I, I understand your, your productivity in those wee hours of the morning. Absolutely. And it's funny turning that, you know, with a family, a lot of people use that as an excuse not to do something. And I think if you look at it the way I look at it and the way you look at it, it presents a lot of very unique and very cool opportunities to do work and fit things in. You just have to make it work for you and your family. And that's right. And it's all about making the choices and and making it work for you. And and what works for you and me wouldn't work for somebody else. My wife is not a morning person. She does not want to be up at five o'clock in the morning. And Mm -hmm. yet she can be really productive later on in the day. So you just got to find your own rhythm that works for you. Definitely agree. So tell us, so you, you have the jiu-jitsu apparel company, you, you have your job, you have these kids and, and your wife, and then you decided the podcast was going to be something you would start. Yeah, so I'm kind of like an all of the things kind of guy. Like I just, I'm a starter and a doer and an executor. My, my speed of implementation is usually very quick. And I, the, it's bad because I'm more of a ready, fire, aim kind of person. <laughs> yeah, you're, which talking, means you're that, talking to the wrong person because I'm totally ready, fire aim. I think that's, I think to get things done, you have to be willing to go out and just do and, and fix it later. Right. And what's, well, what happened was I ended up letting, and I still do it. I end up letting a lot of people down. You know, I say, I'm going to do stuff and I'm not, I'm not bad at keeping commitments. I'm just, I overcommit myself. If I, if it was left up to me, I'd probably triple and quadruple book myself and tell people, sure, you want me to write for your website <laughs> for $10, no problem, I'll do it. And you want me to do this and you want me to do that. And I, I want to do everything for everybody. It's just how I'm wired. And I have to have somebody, mainly my wife, like I, I use the analogy of like, I'm the helium filled balloon and I just get like continue inflating, inflating, inflating and floating away. And every once in a while she'd be like, oh, 
and catch the string <laughs> and just kind of slowly, sometimes not so slowly and gently, but most of the time slowly and gently just pulled me back down to earth because I just float away with, like I walked in the house the other day, I'm like, I'm going to write four books. And <laughs> like she's tonight? like, you're nuts. <laughs> you're really on top of everything now, you're going to write four books. And I like, that's just how I'm wired. I just want to do and go and create. So my next question would be, so, you know, you're a teacher and an and a assistant principal. What led you to starting your own businesses? But I guess you've just answered that question. Yeah, I think it's, I'm happier now working more than I ever have been in my whole life. And I think it's because it's a part of my nature. When I look back at kind of stud, be a student myself and study my story, I was in fourth grade and I was an entrepreneur. Uh, I started selling my baseball cards and comic cards and things like that. I was always trading and pricing and things like that. I remember we had a really cool activity we did in fourth grade where we had to create a business and me and my two buddies just smoked everybody and we made all this pretend money in our class, but everybody else's business was like selling their real things because they didn't know what else to do. So we went around and bought everybody else's baseball cards with this fake money. It was awesome. <laughs> so that's good. So, so what is it besides the fact that this is just part of your nature? What is it that you absolutely love about the entrepreneurial drive that you have? So my mission as somebody who owns a business and somebody that can provide value to people is to put myself in the greatest possible place of service. I think that's the best way to build a business, the best way to build a brand, like whatever, you know, to market, whatever word we want to use. So what I get the most out of is just serving people. I think that God kind of has a plan for me and I don't really know where it's going to end up. But I think that using the model of servant leadership is is very important. I've had a lot of success with it of just getting out there and helping as many people and providing as much value as I can with zero expectation of return. And the cool thing is, is that when I don't worry about that, when I just focus on the process and not what I can get out of things, I tend to get more. And I think that's been, you know, a big part of how I've grown everything. So how has this entrepreneurial spirit or this drive that you have inside of you, how has this impacted your career that you've had as a teacher and now as an assistant principal? Do you take this this same sort of let's get things done, let's do them differently, let's break the mold and let's do? Do you take that same thing into the classroom and into the administration? I did a lot when I was in the classroom. I think administration is very different. I've had two bosses since I've been an administrator. The first one was very old school. Don't tell me about any of this stuff. Why does our school need a Facebook page? Uh, like just very like, okay, this is like you are living in 1992 and I'm living in 2015. So can we please help each other? Um, but the guy that's my boss now is actually one of the other assistant principals with me last year and he were the same age. So he's a much more progressive view and a lot, he's doing a lot more cool and interesting things. So it's a lot better now, but before it was, it was very, very difficult to do anything progressive, to do anything cool you know, just to get them to unlock certain websites at our school was a big chore and to get still trying to get the school to understand like YouTube is important. And they're like, but they're going to watch cat videos all day. Who cares? It's worth it for the resources, you know, like we're not going to all of a sudden not have books because there's bad books out there. <laughs> so I think, it, but that's what it is. You know, you're, you're missing the point. If you, you're, st if you're a school and you're still blocking YouTube, you're missing the point. 
So for anybody the, who, sorry, that's no, my, that's my one rant. It's like you have adults in the room, <laughs> unlock YouTube and have the adults pay attention to what the kids are doing. It's the same as anything else. Like you can handle it. I believe in you. Well, and I think there's a lot of innovation going on in, in high schools along that way. I know I have a daughter who's a high school senior, so we're about to, mm-hmm. to launch our first one off to the world of college. And I know God when bless she, you. And God bless us all. When she was a <laughs> freshman, uh, they were really, really strict about phones. I can remember the introduction, you know, welcome to the high school parent meeting. And she goes to a magnet school program. And so people come from all over the city and it's, you know, math and science and, and liberal arts program. And they, they, they were really strict about the fact that, you know, if they get caught with their phones at any time during the day, we'll take them away. And the parents have to drive out to school, which, you know, for us is 25 miles and pick them up and. You know, now she's a senior, and they use their phones in class as part of assignments, and and so they're free, you know, to check their email or do whatever because they are using the phones. And as it turns out, it's not that they're not getting the work done; they're just able to use their phones. And since they can use it, they check other stuff. But the attitude of the administration has certainly changed over the last four years. So, do you think that that's you know just a natural thing as our society has changed? You know, I think it's the best way I can relate it is with uh, alcohol when. During the time of prohibition, like look how that ended, right? <laughs> they were spending more time and more money and there was more violence and more poverty. It was better just to legalize it, right? And I think the same is true with like phones in schools. If kids could just be on their phones, like let's accept that this is a culture change that has occurred. Go out anywhere, look, drive down the road and tell me how many people you drive by on the highway that are looking down on their at their phones like that's it's everywhere it's a culture change <laughs> sure you know and like when we don't ban them in the school and we don't villainize them when we don't villainize alcohol and stuff like look at our and i know this is a weird analogy to make but like when you have all of these kids who go away to college and the first thing they get into is binge drinking, well, it's been banned for so long and it's such a taboo part of our culture. Don't talk about it. Don't teach them about it. Just tell them not to do it. And the same is true with phones that like if we just let them use them, it becomes they're not tempted to try and tweet during class or make a Snapchat video during, you know, when you're trying to teach because it's just okay for the phone to be out. They don't have to try and sneak it. It's not this thing they want to do just to be deviant. Well, and the people who've been listening to my show since I started it, episode 16 was Trevor Muir, who is a teacher at the Kent Innovation High School in, I think, Michigan. And, you know, I called Trevor the teacherpreneur. I saw him do a TEDx talk at TEDx San Antonio, which I live in Austin, so San Antonio is about an hour and a half away. My daughter and I went down and spent the day at the TEDx event down there, and he was one of our two favorite speakers. We thought that he just blew the room away, and I walked up to him and said, I I just started the podcast. I said, I want to have you on my show because you're a teacherpreneur, and he's like, I hadn't heard that term, but but I think he liked it, and Uh – you know, his whole high school is they basically, you know, they group teach the different the different subjects work together. Like he teaches history and English as one class. And so they study, but then they have to write. And, you know, one of the assignments was World War II. He actually sent the students in groups of maybe four to retirement homes to interview World War II survivors, uh, veterans. And then they had to research the part of the war where their veteran was from. And he just sort of figured they would all be different parts, you know, the Pacific and Africa and Europe. And then they had to do a video about that person's experiences. And so it was an English and history assignment, but it also became multimedia. And some of the kids walked out inspired to, you know, want to be filmmakers and do different things. And Mm -hmm. their whole school's idea is let's throw out sitting everybody in rows for eight hours a day 
and let's make it experiential. And if you haven't heard that episode, you or anybody else, go back and listen to the Trevor Muir episode 16 here on Cool Things. And it's really fascinating what they're doing. I mean, it made me wish I could go back to high school and be at Kent Innovation High. Right. And I think that a big thing that we're seeing, in my opinion, it's taken far too long to figure this out, is just that human beings are not meant to live like that. We're not meant to spend eight hours a day sitting in chairs, in rows, staring at the back of other people's heads and whatever else. Like, we're hunters and gatherers. Like, we're meant to move a lot. And you even see brain function drastically increase in people of all ages when they're able to move a lot. It's a big thing that I've been trying to push for in my school. The problem is it's expensive because there's a whole bunch of, you know, there's a big kind of infrastructure that is reinforcing just the seated desk. But I've been pushing for standing desks. I think in our art classroom, we're taking away all of the chairs. They already have the tall tables. We're just taking away the chairs and just seeing what happens. And I think you'll see a lot behavior. You know, they've done a couple studies where, behave, you know, engage engagement went up, behavior problems went down, just a simple standing desk, just looking at more progressive things instead of focusing on the teacher and kind of villainizing teachers for doing good or bad things in classrooms. Let's look at the actual classroom. Let's look at the system and the setup. And when we change that, uh, I think we see a lot of results. So that's cool. No, that's great. So what advice would you have for somebody who wants to go and start sort of a side business? They've got a job like you do. They have a great, great career going, but you know, they've got this desire to do more. What would you tell them to do? So I think the first thing is get up earlier than everybody else. Uh, Get up earlier than everybody else and audit your time because that's going to be the first thing that somebody says. If I say get up earlier, they say I don't have time. Really audit your time. See how you are spending your time. If you're spending two hours a night binge watching Netflix or something, you should just be asleep. You're not getting anything out of that anyways. Just go to bed. You know, well, I have to do this or I have to do that. Okay, so maybe this is a hard season. If you really want to, if you want to listen, if you want to start something bad enough that you're listening to us talk for 20 minutes, you know, then you probably want it bad enough to get up a little bit earlier. Um, so after getting up earlier and auditing your time, I love there's an exercise that called an emotional stacking, which is kind of outlining all of the things, the good things that are going to happen in your life if you do this. And then all of the bad things that are going to happen if you don't. And then kind of ranking those in order of importance and then stacking them with some, the most important good thing that will happen and the most important bad thing that will happen if you don't do it. And then just going down the line and really focusing, just reading it and focusing as much as possible every single day. Make it a part of your morning routine. And then when you find yourself struggling to take action, reviewing all of that of how good it'll be when you do it and how bad it'll be if you don't. You can get anything done when you do that. So that's great advice. Mm-hmm. So what new and exciting things are you doing this year? One, you know, We call it cool things entrepreneurs do. So what are you doing that's cool? What's new and exciting? So a couple things. I decided this year I wanted to really do a, put a renewed focus on my health. I think we're holistic creatures. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, there's a very high tendency to let your health just go to crap <laughs> in pursuit of business goals. And I'm victim of that. I had a one-year-old son. Um, my wife was, you know, she was pregnant and then just had him and stuff. So we weren't like eating super healthy and we weren't exercising a lot. And even with the jujitsu, I just kind of let my health go to crap. And I was like, whatever, I have a hundred excuses. And this year I was like, look, my business suffers when I do that. I feel better. I operate better when I'm exercising regularly and, and really pushing myself physically and mentally in the gym. So I signed up for, uh, I haven't competed in jujitsu in about three or four years. 
So I signed up for a jujitsu tournament, which means not only do I have to compete, but I have to make weight for it for the uh, first time in a while, uh, yeah. which means I have to really pay attention to that. And then also I signed up uh, to run a Tough mutter, which I think will be really fun. I like to really push my... That's a big quality that helps me as an entrepreneur, but also as a jiu-jitsu practitioner and as an athlete that I don't break very easily. So I'm constantly trying to test myself and see if I can push myself to that breaking point. So I've, I've signed up for both of those things this year. Because when you give yourself a contest, like you can't really, you know, well, nobody will mind if I don't go to the gym today. No, somebody will. They're probably going to choke me out if I don't go to the gym today. So I need to, or I need to train because I don't want to be that guy that quits halfway through the tough mutter. So I think when you give yourself a contest and a deadline, you're, you're much more likely to see results. Well, and you've now told the whole world here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Crap. Do that Crap. you're going to get in better shape. And, and so now <laughs> they're going to they're be checking in with you. The whole audience is going to be, be emailing you, I'm sure. I, I sure hope so. I need as much accountability as possible. I think that's another huge way to get things done. Well, and I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I made a commitment at my mastermind group meeting. I have a group of five speakers and we try to get together twice a year and kind of, you know, sort of bear our souls about our businesses and our ideas. And it goes beyond just, you know, you know, the finance side of business or the marketing side. And one of my goals was I wanted to lose 15 pounds by this summer. And so we were all going to be together in July. And I said, I want to lose 15 pounds. And one of the guys challenged me that I could do 20. And I was like, eh, let's not push it. Let's just go with 15. <laughs> but I've done two things. And one was I really cut back on alcohol. And it's not that I was a big lush, but, you know, you have wine. You have wine open in the house. and You have a glass. And then maybe you have two. And I just basically – I didn't cut it out entirely, but I cut way back. And the second thing was for Lint – I gave up all breads, cakes, and loaves. Now, we're, we're not you know, that far into Lent, but just two weeks into it, I already see the difference. And between the two things and making other smart choices along the way, I've lost 10 pounds since January. And That's fantastic. Now it looks like, thank you, now it looks like I can do the, the 20 pounds by this summer, but I'm really just sticking to the goal of 15. But you know, I can already tell I have more energy just with losing the 10 pounds because you're right. You get so busy with life. I mean, you're running your own business. You have this stuff going. You have your family. You have commitments. And the, you know, you're not getting enough sleep. And all of a sudden, you look down at the scale and you're like, oh, well, how did that happen? Well, I think now that you've made the unfortunate mistake of telling your whole audience about the 20 pounds, I think now they should be holding you accountable to lose another 10 and actually get that 20. Yeah, well, thanks. So you should email Tom, you who is listening, uh, and remind him that he should lose the extra 10 pounds. Tom, I think, I think that's totally doable. Hey, Brendan. If that... Hey, Brendan, that, whose show sorry, is this? Whose show is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so proud of you, man. I think that's so awesome. Like, so many people just don't care enough to give those things up. And, they, you know, once you do, you're like, oh, just a couple small changes over time become something really big. I think that's awesome. Well, the biggest thing I've noticed is when you make a couple, you don't have to like change your whole life, but when you make a couple of choices, other smart choices come along with it. So like giving up bread means that I've actually given up a lot of butter that would go with that bread or jam or peanut butter or whatever I was putting on the, on the bread. So it's like all of a sudden by giving up the bread, I'm giving up, you know, a lot of other stuff. Now I'll admit I went to, to lunch with a friend today and we went to a restaurant that gives you unlimited free cornbread. And it's like the best cornbread, mm -hmm. like in town. And the guy was like eating it. He goes, oh, it's extra good today. He didn't know I'd given it up. He took like one bite. He's like, oh. And he's like going like this. I'm like, dude, you can't do that to me. <laughs> but I didn't have any. I made it, I made it through with just my salad for lunch. So, so it all works well out. Well done. So one of the things, you know, we could talk about you and all the cool things you're doing, both as, as a high school administrator and, you know, and with all your businesses and with your family. We could talk about you all day long. 
But I actually think that some of the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I always like to ask my guests, who do you see out there who's an entrepreneur? You know, not you or someone in your company, but someone you see doing something totally different where you say, wow, they're, they're doing something great. So I'm kind of a ninja in the way that I like to watch people, watch other entrepreneurs and see what they're, especially entrepreneurs who are very vocal about what they're doing and like to teach. Um, I like to watch what they're doing before they're talking about it. Um, you know, I've been watching Gary Vaynerchuk for a long time and I noticed even before he started talking about it that he was way over indexing on Snapchat. And I thought that was really cool. And I, you know, Snapchat is a really amazing social media platform because you actually have, it's the first one that I found that you have to physically engage with the media the whole time you're watching it. You actually have to hold your finger down. You know, you have to double tap on Instagram to like something. And that's cool because it you starts that engagement, but on Snapchat, you actually have to physically engage with the media and it makes you much more involved. You don't just blow past or start watching it and then you ignore the rest. So I thought that was really cool. And then another person I watch a lot is Pat Flynn. And I've noticed that both he and Gary Vaynerchuk have been pushing really hard on YouTube uh, with Gary Vaynerchuk's Ask Gary V show. And now Pat Flynn just relaunched his kind of YouTube channel as SPI TV. And I've noticed just that more and more people are doing video. And as a podcaster, I love that podcasts are so immediate and so intimate. I might not watch a 45-minute video on YouTube, but I will listen to a 45-minute podcast. But I do think that video is a place that a lot of podcasters and a lot of people who are creating media might be missing out. And I think that YouTube being probably one of the second largest search engines out there, maybe after Google, uh, is a really valuable place to, to play. And I think Pat and Gary are doing an excellent job with it. So Pat was a guest on the show about, I don't know, four or five episodes ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't know him. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't somebody who paid a lot of attention to him. Couldn't meet a nicer person on the planet, and he was really sincere and really genuine, and so that's another episode that you should go back and listen to is my interview with Pat Flynn, because he's he is, you're absolutely right, he's doing cool things. He, uh, it's secret tip. Behind the scenes, Pat Flynn, uh, you know, E! True Hollywood story. He's exactly who he seems like he is online. I met him when I went out to San Diego, and he is in person the exact same. I had Chipotle with him, and he is awesome, and he's a great guy. I, you know, I look up to him a great deal, but he's also, he's also very real, and he is just as nice and just as genuine in person as he is online. He's just always authentic, so it's cool. Well, and at the end of the day, that's what you know, I always tell people to remember is you want to be the same person personally, professionally, and spiritually. I mean, show up and be the same person everywhere you go because especially in today's world with social media and you know everything else, if you're not, people are going to figure it out pretty quick. Absolutely. And it's so much easier, right? When you don't have to put on an act ever, you can just be exactly who you are all the time. And you don't have so to, you cool. don't have to remember any, you know, any lies you told if you're just always right. Just authentic. Right. So last question is, what do you do to give back? I think that some of the best entrepreneurs also, in addition to being observers, they also have a giver's heart and they want to leave their mark somehow. So what is it that you do to serve the greater good? So I was very charged. One of my buddies, uh, from church. He, well, he's also a really good friend, so it's kind of irrelevant, but my friend Brock, he said to me when I was telling him about what I was doing and kind of when I was starting this whole path towards like building websites and starting my own business, he said, well, what are you doing to glorify God in that? And I was like, I don't know, man, that's a good question. Like I'm really glorifying myself and talking a lot about me, me, me. And I really took a hard look at what 
like biblically what Jesus asks us to do. And one of the things he asks us to do is to take care of children and to take care of orphans and take care of people who are poor, who have less than us. And I feel very strongly like I'm a steward of the money that I have, which means I try to not only spend it wisely, but I also, the resources that I have that I don't need, like what does somebody need 50 jujitsu gis for? Like there's no reason to have more than three or four. (laughs) And I just started, I used to sell them and kind of make money. And I'm like, well, this is my money for me for doing these reviews. And then I just started selling them for charity. And I give all the money to this charity called Tap Cancer Out which is awesome. And we've raised a couple thousand dollars and I'm hoping I can sell the rest of these geese and raise a couple thousand more. But so that's been awesome. But again, it's all be, I'm selling them to other people. So it's really a community thing. I'm just lucky to be a steward and kind of be at the head of it. And then another thing we did was I was really upset that there, I, when I found out that there are a lot of kids in Brazil, in, especially in Rio de Janeiro, in the favelas, like in the very kind of poor, impoverished areas of Rio that would love to train jujitsu. It's from there, but they don't have enough money to afford a uniform. And I was like, that's a shame. You know, kids in the U.S. grow out of their uniforms so fast. And my company makes primarily kids uniforms. Like I want to do something about this. So we raised a ton of money and we sent a whole bunch of used uniforms down to Rio. And at some point in the future, you know, the timing wasn't right for my family, but I'm going to go down there and bring a bunch with me. And I'm still really excited about that project. But those are just things that I feel very, very called to do. I feel like if you're not giving, if you're not making that a part of your business, you're really missing out. That's fantastic. Good for you. I think that's great. Well, Brendan, I'm really glad that you had the time to join us here because, I mean, with all the stuff you have going on, it's like finding time in your schedule that's not 3.30 in the morning. I'm glad we were able to uh, to have this chat. And I really would like to thank you for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If someone was listening and they want to find out more about you, maybe they want to know more about OK Kimonos, or they're interested in listening to entrepreneurs and, and coffee, how can they find out more about you? Sure. So... If they want to listen to the podcast, because entrepreneurs is a hard enough word to say, <laughs> never mind spell. Um, I, I had Chris Brogan on my podcast the other day, and like right at the end, I was like, thanks for coming on, the entrepreneurs. And I totally, I was like, for sure, Brendan, don't slur the name of your own show. That's right, because we're, 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 here we are on Cool Things on do. Right? It just, it'll happen <laughs> if it hasn't happened yet. So they can check that out. It's just eandcoffee.com. It Excellent. makes it super simple. Excellent. And then if they ever want to get in touch with me, they can tweet me at Brendan Hufford on Twitter. But also a cool thing that I've been t- kind of talking about a lot lately is just, or kind of thinking, I guess, about is this whole idea of being a dad and needing to bootstrap and like you want to start something, but you don't have a lot of money and you don't have the time. So, uh, Tom, I made a really cool link. If people go to brendanhufford.com slash cool, there's a really cool link about not only the emotional stacking thing that I was talking about, but also 10 free resources that people can use to grow their business kind of from scratch without having to spend any money. Excellent. Give that address again, please. It's just brendanhufford.com slash cool. Excellent. We love that. All right. Well, Brendan, again, thank you so much for being a guest. And for those of you who listened in, thank you as always for being part of the show. And we'll be back in a couple of days with another episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on the Facebook page at Facebook, uh, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, or on Twitter at Cool Podcast. So, or you can just follow me at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. And we'll be back in a couple days. In the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. (laughs) 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.